You are listening to a White Phosphorus Pictures podcast. Broadcasting under the night sky from the edge of an undisclosed jungle on the Gulf of Mexico, I'm Christopher Garitano, your voice in the night. For the next hour, allow me to be your guide into the bizarre unknown, the fantastic macabre, and together we'll journey to that borderland between fiction and reality, a place beyond all rational explanation. We are now off to the witch. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Off to the Witch newsletter. For those of you who are new to the podcast, um, every other week I do this alternate format, and sometimes I talk about topics that are directly related to episodes. Others are forthcoming projects and everything that's new for Off to the Witch and White Phosphorus Pictures and everything that I'm doing. And so we are now in mid-November. Time flies. It really does. So make the best of it. Make the best of your time, whatever it is. Whatever it is that makes you happy, make sure you're doing it. I often comment on how uh, the 1950s television show by Rod Serling, The Twilight Zone, is now our reality. And a lot of that is happening. So I'm busy working on a new TV streaming series that'll premiere later next year. And they're all feature-length standalone documentaries however they are part of a series and i decided to do it that way and i've talked about it before on this show and the first episode is called a haunting we will go the second is monsters among us and the third is the phantom killer each of these topics are completely different from each other however they're directly related in theme you know it's um it's topics that i'm interested in and they're mysteries of course unsolved crimes and things of the supernatural nature. And so I, um, I do work in the long form. And, you know, I also write fiction. I'm writing a motion picture right now and finishing it and getting it ready to be made. And I also wrote um, another kind of uh, biographical tale. However, it does have elements of fantasy called South Texas Blues, which I did publish recently and is now in development to be a limited series for a major studio. So one of the things I never really did before was show attention to my YouTube channel. I mean, I would upload trailers and, and little snippets and short films and stuff randomly. Sometimes there would be six months in between an upload. But I did calculate and figure out something I could do. And I do want an ongoing series specifically for YouTube. And so I was looking through my archives and looking through what I could create for that format and something that would be worthwhile. You know, I see so many other people doing uh, uh, live stream events and other things, and I will do one of those every now and then. But I think specifically I could lend to the short form. I have tons, hundreds of hours of archived footage. And what I decided to do was make a new YouTube web series called Between Fiction and Reality. The topics range just like everything else I do. 
it spans through the many years that I've personally looked into so many different things and explored so many different topics. My experiences with Michael Persinger's uh, God Helmet, which I first used in the very first episode of my travel discovery show, Strange World. And so that's the first episode of Between Fiction and Reality. I'm talking about further how the God Helmet affected me. You know, it was only at the tail end of the episode of Strange World that I talked about it and didn't really go into it in depth. I have it here with me, and it really did have a profound effect on me that in in many ways uh, hasn't dissipated. And um, to be a little more specific, uh, when I first used the God Helmet, I may have not been fully prepared for it. You know, I was on the road making a TV series and we had 17 hour days. You know, one of Todd Murphy, who was an affiliate of Michael Persinger, who had passed by the time we shot the episode, suggested that I be well rested and I have no caffeine. That is nearly impossible when you're on the road and you're leading a show. Um, you need to stay awake, at least for me, and um, and you get very little sleep and coffee is one of my friends when I'm on the road. So um, as a result, I may have had some weird headaches from it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure because I only used it twice. I used it once in a loading phase and another time for the show itself. And I really did use it for a session. So I talk about in this first episode, how it affected me. Now, if you don't know anything about the God Helmet, it was invented by a neuroscientist named Michael Persinger, and he was experimenting with electromagnetic energy and the effects of on the brain. And so in this episode of Between Fiction and Reality, I go into depth as to how the God Helmet theoretically works and how it affected me. And um, one of the curious things that were being explored with this electromagnetic energy, and you could define it two different ways. One way is that that particular energy, whether it be geomagnetic, in terms of your house being built upon a strong geomagnetic field, or being simulated by a device like the God Helmet or the Haunt Box, which is another device that Persinger invented, it affects the temporal lobe of the brain. And... What Persinger was curious of was that could these geomagnetic or electromagnetic fields, as they affect the temporal lobe, induce the effects of either a psychic event or an apparition, a haunting, hearing voices, hearing sounds that aren't there. And so that was a good part of his research. However, is it possible that the God Helmet heightened your psychic perception to the point where you are now seeing into some other world. You're seeing other dimensions. And uh, I don't want to give it all away right now, but I do have my opinions on the matter. I looked into a variety of mysteries over the years. Uh, you know, I'm primarily known for looking into the Montauk Project, which, uh, you know, I made several programs on, independent documentaries and stuff for television, including an episode of Ancient Aliens. I think the reason why I was so interested in the Montauk Project eventually is because it's such a menagerie of ideas and concepts and claims of very elaborate things that happened there. And it was just such an odd situation. There's no other mystery that I've ever encountered that is such an enigma, that is such a difficult puzzle to figure out, 
that you really can't fully put your finger on some of the people that told the stories over the years. And there are many. It's not just the primary people that I spoke to. And I spoke to them personally, all of them. I personally spent time with Preston Nichols several times, uh, with Al Bielik, Stuart Swerdlow, and Duncan Cameron on the phone many times. So I was able to assess perhaps how the story was manipulated. Do I believe any of these people were truly involved in the Montauk Project? And I've said over the years, yes, I think uh, Preston Nichols was involved some way, somehow. He had very particular knowledge that I eventually cross-referenced with people who actually worked for certain facets of the government. I can't reveal their names because, you know, eventually they, they got cold feet and they didn't want to appear on camera. So I can't say their names. There were people that had stories that uh, were adjacent and identical to a lot of the fine details that Nichols would tell me even in private. And sometimes, you know, Preston, when I was interviewing him, I would shut the camera off and then he'd tell me more. He knew the camera was off. He was paying attention to what I was doing. For however uh, crazy he may have seemed, he was a very intelligent man and he was aware. Sometimes I feel like the crazy stuff was an act. And that's how difficult these things and how deep these things go. Um, you cannot judge these situations on surface level because as you explore mysteries like this, you begin to find out these uh, elements of truth in association. In other words, um, you know, when you look into the Holmesburg prison experiments, MKUltra, uh, all alike experiments, radiation experiments, the Tuskegee medical experiments, all of those have been confirmed as very real. And so once you realize that, it opens the doors for possibilities uh, for all of these other things that we haven't been able to prove. And so you have a true scientist like Michael Persinger experimenting with something that Preston Nichols claimed was being used at Montauk. And that is why it was incorporated into the, the last uh, quarter of, of the episode of Strange World. Um, now, just like anything I tackle, like the new series or series I've made in the past, that there is quite a variety of subject matter. And um, one of them I'm, I'm really excited about was uh, quite some time ago, I, um, I had a, my very first documentary was doing its rounds in, in festivals and screenings at cinema art centers and places like that. It was called Horror Business. And uh, it was the very first thing I made. I really had no experience outside of film school, which at the time I went to film school, there was very little practice time. We were shooting on film and it was quite expensive. And um, you didn't have access to a lot of time to practice until a camera called the DVX 100 came out. It shot on tape. Okay. It was mini DV tape, but it shot at 24 frames per second, which is the traditional frame rate for motion picture film. If you're looking at a movie and you can recognize it as a, as a movie frame rate, most people inherently do, even though they may not know this is 24 frames per second. So I got my hands on that camera and immediately just dove in and started shooting a documentary. Well, um, went in with all guns blazing and very little experience and uh, made this thing that, you know, some people started to pay attention to. So as fate would have it, you know, my favorite filmmaker who I grew up, uh, he was one of my heroes. George Romero directed Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Creep Show, 
uh, Day of the Dead, which was my favorite, you know, he saw this documentary. Actually, I was at a cinema arts center. My posters were up for my screening, and I went to a screening of George Romero's The Crazies. And what I did, just like a hundred other independent movie makers that day, I handed him my DVD and just told him how much he meant to me, and that was that. I thought I would never hear from him again. So it's about a month later, and George emails me. And I'm like, this isn't George Romero, okay? I figured it was one of my friends pulling my leg or whatever. So I said, hey, why don't you give me a call and prove that you're George Romero? He said, okay. So I got on the phone with him, and I knew right away it was him. You know, I, I, you recognize someone's voice. I've been watching these interviews with George for years, and that was George Romero. And um, he truly appreciated the documentary. And so, uh, you know, I got to talking with George. We had a few phone call conversations and a correspondence uh, with email, and he really, you know, he had asked what I was working on at the time. And I was, I always work on multiple projects. So at that time I was shooting, I think two or three different documentaries, one of which was the follow-up to horror business. And, um, so George said, you know what? He's like, I, I don't want to miss out on this one. Uh, why don't you come to the set of my new movie, Diary of the Dead? Now, Maybe to most people, that doesn't mean a damn thing. But to a kid that grew up with this man as his, as his hero, and I'm also a movie maker, you know? I mean, like, I dreamt of making movies when I was five. And George Romero was one of the reasons why. And so now I'm coming full circle at this point, and I'm meeting my hero, befriending him, and um, he's inviting me to the set of Diary of the Dead. those who say that this quiet town holds many secrets. Legend has it that beneath this very tower, a dark force had its eyes set on the children. We were told that what was going on there was for the benefit of humanity. What would you say to the people who say, well, all these children were kidnapped and murdered and you were a part of it. What would you tell them? You I tell did them? approve of it, but there was nothing I could do about it. They wanted a large number of programmed boys to be used for mind control operations. And there are others who say it's still happening to this day. I don't know, I for myself find it a little suspicious that all the evidence has been conveniently destroyed. Let's put it this way. If you're sitting there with 20 guns pointed at you, what are you going to do? Whatever the hell they want! Watch Montauk Chronicles now for free on Tubi, Plex, Roku, and available for download on Amazon and Apple TV. series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations. 
but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. these years, for all these years that I've had this footage, I never really put it out. I showed it to a couple of friends and that's it. It was never about cloud. It was never about like, hey, I'm friends with George Romero. Um, you know, it was a really special thing to me. So I, I've waited so many years to find a proper format for it. And so when the pandemic hit during 2020, I started to realize, and George was already gone, I started to realize that this would have been an amazing time for George to make a commentary on the world, as he did in the subtext of many of his movies, especially the Living Dead films. And um, the chaos that we've experienced since then and the disarray and division are themes that run throughout all of those films. And it was really odd there. Um, I knew George was still here in spirit because during that time, a book arrived at my door that I pre-ordered called The Living Dead, and it was co-authored by Daniel Krauss, but George wrote it, and he didn't really get to finish it before he died. And I'm like, George is still here. He's still making commentaries on this stuff. So what I did while I was in isolation, I started shooting uh, my commentary, my tribute to George, and uh, I called it Of the Dead. So this, this episode is going to be that. It's going to be of the dead. This thing that I was making while I was in isolation, you're going to get to see me meeting George and being on the set of uh, Diary of the Dead and also contemplating the idea of George Romero's apocalyptic vision. Is it possible? And I don't just mean the zombie stuff. I think that's possible through different uh, through different medications, through different uh, mind manipulation. I, I truly believe the so-called zombie apocalypse is possible in many different ways, whether it happens from some cosmic ray from outer space or it simply happens from a mind control device. I truly think that the writers of science fiction and Stephen King and George Romero do fall in that category throughout many times in their life uh, are prophets. And George was channeling just like many of these other writers. And I've said this before on, on my shows and documentaries. So this is going to be a fantastic episode. I don't know if it's going to be number two or number three, uh, but this George Romero episode is going to be special of the dead. And uh, I can't wait to uh, put that out as part of uh, Between Fiction and Reality. You know, I want to do something really special with this. And I, I can't, as scheduling goes, cannot have it cut into too much of the time that I'm editing A Haunting We Will Go, Monsters Among Us, and prepping for The Phantom Killer. But I've worked it out so it doesn't take too much of the time out of the week, and it doesn't really interfere with the podcast either. And um, let's see how it does. What I ask of my audience is, if you're at all interested in seeing Between Fiction and Reality, I want you to go to my YouTube channel subscribe and hit the notification bell and that's youtube at off to the witch 
I think the very first episode I will upload to the podcast platform. So you could see it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. After that, you have to watch it on YouTube. And, um, you know, I'm excited about it. I think the first episode came out fantastic. And I'll, just as anything else I work on, I'm going to let it evolve. If it does well, I will continue to go to locations. And will, these will be short documentaries. These are maximum 20 minutes in length. I don't want it to be any more than that because I have my feature length episodes and they're much more complex than these. However, I think that um, I have this wealth of footage and um, of course my interviews and, and, and the things that I say are brand new. And so, you know, these things are completely free, of course. Uh, I am working on a Patreon and I, I have, I have teased that I'm going to launch it. But um, what I think I might do as an addition to everything else that's going to be on that Patreon is that you might see a bonus episode of Between Fiction and Reality. There will be live stream events. There will be special chats that are going to be for the Patreon only. Uh, but um, for the most part, these episodes of Between Fiction and Reality will be free on the YouTube channel. And they're of great quality. I'm never going to give you something subpar. I'm going to do my best to give you the best broadcast quality show that I can. Okay, so a few more topics on this. Um, now, some years ago, I was shooting a documentary about the idea of Bigfoot and Sasquatch. And this predated uh, many of the shows and docs that are out now. I was working on this uh, just after Montauk Chronicles. And I shot some great stuff and some fantastic interviews in Utah, in Michigan, in Colorado. And um, while I was getting deeper into it, you know, something else came to mind on what I could do. What is the ultimate thing I could do on that subject? Because it, as I was shooting, you know, I also had uh, projects greenlit for television. And um, there was one point that I could have had this greenlit by a big network for TV, this this uh, Bigfoot series. It was very different. But um, I came up with an idea that I that nobody has approached, not in the way that it came to me very strong in a vision. And uh, I'm going to tackle it up ahead at some point, probably within the next couple of years, I'll begin. It might be several chapters. Uh, my best to anybody that's out there shooting a documentary on the subject, but unfortunately, these things become homogenized over time. It seems like everybody's kind of imitating each other. And so this episode, which will probably be the second episode of um, Between Fiction and Reality, is going to be uh, my contemplations on, on the North American Bigfoot and stories behind it and some ideas behind it with a lot of this footage that I shot specifically for a documentary. And I was out in the field and I was with people that claim they saw it. It was even one night that uh, I was with a gentleman named Joe Stewart. We were in Northern Michigan. We were way out in a place that he called the Field of Screams. You know, it was the only time, because I, I grew up, you know, between two worlds, I, you know, very close to New York City and then in New York City. And then I spent a lot of time in the woods, went upstate New York. And uh, so I love both of those things. And, but I was never truly scared in the woods. I went camping and hung out with friends in the woods all the time. And maybe as a kid, I got spooked out because I was watching movies like Friday the 13th and different werewolf films. And so, you know, my imagination ran wild. But, 
I didn't, uh, I got, I got a little spooked when I was with Joe because the reality when it does hit you, and I'm sure a lot of big footers out there understand this is that it's no longer folklore. If, if this thing is real, this is a huge, powerful creature that could do serious damage or kill you. And there are reports in the past of whatever's out there have kidnapped people, killed people, hurt people. So whether it's a Bigfoot or something else. So this second episode is going to contemplate all of those things. And you're going to see interviews with people that I uh, spent time with making this thing. And a lot of um, these things for between fiction and reality are things that I was working on that I simply do not want to go to waste or um, perspectives, further perspectives on firsthand investigations and locations that I visited and experiences that I had. Uh, so if all goes well with between fiction and reality, I'll continue. And um, some of the things I'd like to do as the web series evolves, it would be a slightly different format than my feature length shows. Those are a little more complicated to make and, uh, you know, have a bit of a different uh, style to them. But the web series is something I'm considering for sure. And um, I have an open mind to it and I do want it to evolve. So a few other things that I'll be working on down the road are um, certain events for YouTube and for the Patreon. I'm going to try and do some special things for the Patreon that aren't available elsewhere. But, um, you know, for the YouTube itself, I may do a live stream here and there. What I aim to do is allow Between Fiction and Reality to have a few episodes first. And then we can do live streams that may further discuss some of those topics or some of the topics that I'm working on for the, uh, for the TV series. One of the other things that I'm working on is my novel Montauk Boys. And I originally wrote Montauk Boys as a, as a television series, as a screenplay. And it was very close to uh, getting greenlit before the pandemic. And one of the things I feared was that it is quite an edgy story. Um, it has an edge to it, and I didn't want that to get watered down in the process of its translation to TV. So I decided to completely rewrite it as a novel, and this would be my first novel. And um, I should have it available sometime next year. You know, I just recently published uh, South Texas Blues, and it is a screenplay, and that's in development to be a limited series right now. But Montauk Boys is a fiction novel based off of a lot of factual events. However, it takes place um, slightly after the alleged Montauk project was said to have ended in 1983. And I created a series of characters that I love. I love that world. I love these characters. And um, I couldn't think of anything more fitting than my first novel to bring to you as well. One day, I will make it into a motion picture. I find certain things to be sacred. And regardless of any money that might be on the table for a project, I won't break my oath to that story. And what I mean by that is when, you're, when you really care about something, um, let's say you're writing a novel. If the novel comes out and someone adapts it into a motion picture that you're not happy with, that's a different story. But I have to. There's this inherent need to allow you, the audience, to experience something, for better or for worse, how I intended it. 
so Montauk Boys will be completed in 24, and um, it will be released probably towards the last quarter. You know, there's so much on my plate at the moment, but um, all of these things will be accomplished and all of these things will be available to you. I don't uh, have a precise release date for the first episode of Between Fiction and Reality. It's done. I'm just working on technical smoothings, and I do want to kind of advertise it a little bit first, the best I can, before I just drop it on YouTube. So uh, what I ask you to do, if you're a listener and you keep coming back to this show, you're going to truly appreciate Between Fiction and Reality. It's an extension somewhat of this show. It's an extension of my work and my ideas and my explorations, and you'll get to see a lot of this stuff because there's some great footage. And... Um, so if you go over to the YouTube channel once again and subscribe and hit the notification bell, there's a lot of good stuff coming. And so next week we have an incredible guest on the show, another profound experience into the unknown. You know, uh, not all of my episodes are about the paranormal or the supernatural. However, it's one of my favorite subjects and I look into it quite a bit. This gentleman's story is going to blow your mind. And so, tune in next week. Keep an eye out for the very first episode of Between Fiction and Reality on my YouTube channel. And uh, I'm going to get back to work, and I will see you next time. Take care. <laughs>